one of us lived up to our potential and managed our resources so well that we could provide for ourselves, our families, and our communities in a meaningful and substantial way. Join Step Right with Lynn, the show dedicated to empowering socially conscious individuals to manage their financial resources for the benefit of themselves, their families, and the greater community. Here's Lynn Wedham, Certified Financial Planner and Managing Partner at Step Right Capital Planning. Good morning, everyone. I'm so happy to be with you here today. This is Step Right with Lynn. I'm Lynn Wedham, and I'm your host. I look forward to your questions and comments. We're here to help, uh, so contact me anytime by email at lynn at stepright.ca. That's L-Y-N-N at stepright, S-T-E-P-R-I-G-H-T dot C-A. Feel free to join our online chat. You can find the button um, for that on the A to Zen website. Uh, or you can join us by phone at 613-800-8736. We still have a few copies of the children's book, Have You Filled a Bucket Today? The book that teaches children how doing for others fills everyone's happiness bucket. Just send me a message and I'll send you a book. That's lynn at stepright.ca. Our show today will discuss lending money to children for a down payment on a home, when that's a good idea, when it might not be a good idea, and some guidelines to make it a good experience. Let's face it, it's not easy for young people to get started today on the road to home ownership. Parents and grandparents realize the importance that home ownership has had in their lives and they want to help. Lending money is common practice. Unfortunately, so are disagreements between family members over money issues. Relationships can be soured by unpaid obligations between family members. Done the right way, an informal loan can be a good deed, enabling a loved one to fulfill the dream of that first home without the lender suffering financial loss. Today we'll look at a few cautions and also a few guidelines to make it a good situation for everyone. Our guest today will be Harvey Wood. Harvey had a wonderful career in banking with the CIBC. He held a number of head office, regional office, and branch management positions over a 37-year span. He retired from the bank in Hamilton, Ontario, where he was a district manager. Following retirement from the bank... Harvey worked for a genetic company, the C-Max Alliance, for three and a half years, where he was the company's chief executive officer. Following retirement from C-Max, and you'll, uh, you'll notice this is um, the uh, second retirement, uh, Harvey established a mortgage brokerage company where he employs a number of agents and is enjoying yet another career. Head office for mortgage business is in St. George, Ontario. Along with his financial career, Harvey and spouse Eleanor uh, own and operate a 350-acre beef and cash crop farm. The beef operation is cow-calf and the breed is Angus. The herd numbers 100+. plus. Harv is an avid sportsman, having played competitive hockey and fastball, and now enjoys non-competitive golf. Harv's been a lifelong volunteer, having served a number of non-profits and agricultural organizations. He was selected the Hamilton Wentworth Rural Citizen of the Year in 2007 and was a recipient of the Queen's Diamond Jubilee Medal. <clears throat> Good morning, Harvey. Good morning, Lynn. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. By uh, 
by your bio, it seems that uh, you have to, we have to keep you pretty busy to keep you out of trouble. Well, that's, that's absolutely right. If you're busy, well, then that keeps your mind occupied, keeps your hands occupied, and sometimes even a little bit of revenue coming in. That's right. That's right. Um, Harvey, I'm sure that with as many years as you have behind you in the financial industry, uh, you've probably seen many situations where parents lent money to children for down payment on their first home or for another purpose, um, and sometimes it works out beautifully. Um, and I'm sure you've also seen some situations, as I have, where it didn't work out well at all. Um, so what I'd like for us to do today is to set up some guidelines that might help people uh, make that decision as to whether it's the right step for them to make, and then also how we can do things in a way to keep things on the right track. That's a great so, suggestion, Lynn. There, there are several several opportunities for first-time homebuyers, and uh, I look forward to discussing them with you today. That's great. So let's look at things first um, from the consideration of the borrower. Um, what options would the uh, would-be homeowner have as far as finding that down payment? Well, there are, there are several. The um, the first time purchased is probably one of the most uh, important decisions that the first time home buyers will make because it's going to be a huge financial commitment for them and uh, we're going to discuss the upsides and downsides of borrowing from family but that should i would suggest be the last consideration there are other considerations that can be made first the first is um, personal savings and um, i deal with a number of first time home buyers and uh, a good number of them have been able to save most of their down payment from earnings over a period of time. And uh, they can be simply in a savings account or an RSP, tax-free savings um, account. Um, sometimes uh, the, um, the first-time home buyer even borrows from a financial institution uh, with terms to pay back. And, of course, for those that have impeccable credit and good jobs, there is still the opportunity to get a cashback mortgage. However, those opportunities seem to be getting less and less each day. And then the um, aspect that we're going to discuss today, and probably the last source, would be borrowing from a family member. Uh, can, can you tell us about that cashback mortgage in case people aren't familiar with what that means? Yes, I can. The criteria is quite high. Uh, the uh, the credit record has to be impeccable, and the credit score has to be extremely high. And the uh, borrowers have to exhibit the ability to repay the mortgage and the obligation. Uh, those are the upsides. The downside is the interest rate is considerably higher because, in fact, they are borrowing 100% of the purchase price. And that interest rate is usually about one and one half percent higher than the normal lending rate. Okay, um, I, th I think it might be worthwhile um, at this point if we have people listening um, who are, you know, thinking about moving towards their first home uh, purchase. What gives um, these new, um, often young people, what gives them a good credit score? 
Well, first is paying paying any financial obligation on time, a credit card debt, a car loan, or a personal credit line. And as long as the uh, the debt is paid as agreed, uh, their, the credit record is is um, rated uh, R1, which is the very best. The ratings are from R1 to R9. And uh, it just takes one missed payment or one late payment to move an R1 to an R2, and the R2 reduces the credit score. Okay. And and then um, not as many opportunities as in the borrowing if, if we've moved from the R1 to the R2? Absolutely, because then the credit score declines, and then uh, that person would not be eligible for the cashback mortgage. Okay. Okay. Um, and what other considerations should the borrower consider before they um, perhaps approach a family member? Well, I think that my suggestion would be that they would be borrowers should have a, a discussion with uh, with a mortgage lender. And of course, because I'm a mortgage broker, I'm going to suggest that uh, that the uh, would be borrower have that discussion with with a mortgage broker. Because mortgage brokers have access to funding from over 50 institutional lenders, and not every lender has the same rules, and uh, so a mortgage broker might be able to point out some advantages to the to the would-be borrower, and as well, the uh, the mortgage broker could uh, establish uh, the level at which the individuals can buy, because mm-hmm. the funding of a mortgage, um, the amount is relative to the um, amounts of income from the would-be borrowers. Mm-hmm. There are federally legislated uh, rules that uh, that will not allow individuals to borrow beyond their capability to repay. Okay. Um, and so you would help them determine what they can afford in a mortgage, um, which may also help them know how much they need for a down payment. Absolutely. The minimum down payment is 5%, and uh, that's the amount that, that most uh, first-time homebuyers have. And um, when I have the opportunity to speak with the first-time homebuyers, they're, they're usually cognizant with that with that amount. And uh, uh, some have good plans as to uh, how they're going to achieve that uh, that down payment. And uh, But first of all, we have to tell them how much they of a mortgage that they qualify for, whether it be a hundred and fifty thousand, two hundred thousand, two hundred and fifty thousand, or three hundred thousand, and then we determine the amount of down payment that is required. Okay. So if if they're going to approach a family member, uh what are the different things that that they should have figured out? Um probably with the help of the mortgage broker but what what should they know before they approach a family member? Well, first they should know the uh, the level of, of financing that that they can obtain, and so then they know how much of the down payment that they need to borrow. In some cases, they don't need to borrow the whole down payment; they can borrow a part of it. Uh, but as far as the family member is concerned, the family member should, whether it be a parent or a sibling or a grandparent. Uh, should know that uh, they have the resources to make this loan to the person that's purchasing the house. Mm-hmm. And then there's the comfort level of 
lending the money. Sometimes a parent or a sibling is not comfortable lending to to the individual. Mm-hmm. So there has to be a discussion there as to whether they do want to participate or not. Right. And then they need to determine whether it's going to be a loan or whether it's going to be a gift. Uh, in some cases, the parents will gift the down payment to um, to the person that's borrowing um, for the for the home, and that's uh, that's a great way to uh, to get started. But of course, the parent has to be in a financial position to be able to do that. Right, right, um, and certainly these these are sometimes difficult conversations, right? And everyone I think needs to go into it with. Um, <clears throat> Trying, trying to keep emotion out of it. Oh, absolutely. If it's a gift, um, we we ask the uh, person who's making the gift, if it's in the case of a parent, to sign what we call a gift letter, and we have the recipient sign the letter as well, so that mm-hmm. it's clearly defined that it is a gift and it's not a loan, and all parties know that the down payment is being made through through the gift. If it's going to be a loan, then uh, other circumstances arise. Um, is the loan going to, is, is interest going to be charged on the loan, firstly? Uh, sometimes a parent will make an interest-free loan to a child to help with the assist of, of the purchase of a new home. Mm-hmm. Uh, other times um, an interest rate has to be established that's fair to both the borrower and the lender. And the other uh, circumstance that needs to be considered, can the borrowers afford to make the mortgage payment and make a payment to the parent to repay the down payment? So affordability has to has to become part of the equation as well. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, so both parents and child have to have to understand that because sometimes uh, the parent's expectation is higher than the child's expectation. Right. So this clarity to to make sure that we that we're both uh that both sides have the same understanding is very important. Yes, and through that discussion it's really a good idea for both parties to make notes so that that understanding doesn't become forgotten one year mm-hmm. or two years or three years hence. Yep. Well, we'll hold that thought and uh and come back at that point um after our after our break, Harvey. Thank you. Is there a contribution that you dream of making? In society, planned giving seems to be presented as something you do once you're incredibly wealthy or planning your estate. Step Right with Lynn focuses on good money management and planning your contribution at every step based on the issues important to you. Learn how to expand the goodness around you and take responsibility for the issues important to you. Tune in for Step Right with Lynn every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Central Time, 7 a.m. Mountain Time, and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on AtoZen.fm. Step Right with Lynn. Lynn Wedham is a certified financial planner. To participate in the program today, please call toll-free in the U.S., 815-880-8255. That's 815-880-TALK. 
or in Canada, 613-800-8736. Or you can Skype us at atizen.fm. You can also make the choices to ask or comment by email by sending to lynn at stepright.ca. Now, back to the program. We're back. This is Upright with Lynn. We'd love to have you join us in on the conversation today. You can call us, join the online chat, or email me at lynn at stepright.ca. That's L-Y-N-N at stepright, S-T-E-P-R-I-G-H-T dot C-A. We're talking with Harvey Wood this morning, and uh, we're discussing uh, should you give your uh, children um, money for a down payment on a home um, or lending of any kind, and, and what are some guidelines that can help to make that uh, work out? We've been talking about how important it is um, that both the, the lender and the borrower um, be very clear um, in that they both have the same expectations um, of uh, how it would be paid back, how um, the amount would be borrowed, and uh, so there are no surprises for anyone and no misunderstandings on those things. Um, so, Harvey, uh, what are some of the things that um, that a parent should really be thinking through clearly before they would lend money um, to a child? Well, then another consideration is job stability. Job stability mm-hmm. not only on the on the side of the child who's uh, either the recipient of the gift or borrowing the money, but also on, on the side of the parent. I had a situation arise a few months ago where parents had gifted the down payment to a child and uh, circumstances um, arose that, that they needed to get some or all of that money back, uh, whereas the uh, one spouse uh, suffered a job loss and the other spouse had a severe illness, and uh, incomes were substantially reduced. So they really couldn't afford to um, have that money out there to the uh, to the child. So uh, that's another consideration too on the parent side: how stable are their jobs, and how how good is their health? Yes, yeah, that would be a very awkward um, awkward situation. Um, and and what what would the um, uh, the borrower in that case what what would they have to end up doing? Well, in the in the case uh, the the child uh, borrowed the money from another source and paid the parents back, and mm-hmm. it helped the parents through through their difficult time. But uh, you know it's it's uh, very difficult to predict uh, what's going to happen um, yeah. in, the, in the future. Yeah, so that's, certainly that's, a little scrambling there, and and some stress in that situation. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, now, as I mentioned before, it's a good idea for all parties to make notes as they're going through uh, through this negotiation, and then uh, if the uh, parents do lend the money, or siblings, or grandparents, then it's advisable to have a clearly defined loan agreement uh, with the amount. Uh, with the interest rate and uh, with the timing and amounts of payment, and then there really won't it will reduce the opportunity. 
opportunity for misunderstanding um, in the future. Right, right. Um, so, I in in the ideal situation, I guess the um, you know really we're looking at the lender wanting to be using money that's not needed for another source or for another purpose. And also there's another aspect too, and, and this is fairness to siblings. Um, here's, here's a personal example. We have three children, and uh, one in particular keeps score at mm. who gets what, and uh, I'm sure the others do too, but they're not as blatant as the one is. So if you're lending to child A and child B um, isn't in favor of it, uh, then that, there could be another issue. Yes, and I've um, I've heard a very similar story more than one time where um, parents lent money to one sibling. Um, it was not paid back. Um, you know, maybe the next thing... Um, the brothers and sisters see is that that one is taking vacations that they can't take, but they owe mom money. And next thing, you know, somebody is not showing up for Thanksgiving because, uh, you know, they're annoyed and um, and uh, and it can really change the family dynamics. Absolutely, and and. Um uh, age demographics is another consideration. I had an example last night where um, I was uh, discussing a mortgage for uh, an individual, and uh, she needed uh, the comfort of, of a cosigner to uh, give her enough income to get the mortgage. And uh, she suggested a family relative who was in her high 80s, and um, I really didn't feel that uh, in good conscience that I could go forward with that type of an agreement because of really the person that was aged 88 might be inclined to uh, to make the uh, loan to the granddaughter, but uh, I'm not sure that uh, uh, that it would would be a good idea. Mhm, mhm. Yeah, you have to think a little bit beyond what's um, what's on our our plate at the moment to the possibilities of things that might transpire. Um, we have a, a question here from one of our producers, um, and that is, how do you explain to child B that they're a credit risk? Um, child B should know they're a credit risk. Um, if they haven't, if they haven't. Uh, uh, and I just have to be sure that I understand the question. Um, child B should know their credit risk because they would have would not have made payments, or they would have had checks returned to NSF, um, mm-hmm. or they would have uh, reneged on a, on a loan agreement. So they, they should know that their that their repayment uh, behaviors um, are perhaps not uh, as forthright as others might be. And uh, then it just follows with a frank discussion. And this is uh, getting back to the point of the, of the credit rating. Those who have exhibited the capability and the ability to repay their obligations and keep them current have good credit ratings. Those who have not exhibited those characteristics have poorer credit ratings and hence are poorer credit risks. 
So each establishes his or her own um, uh, credit uh, repaying abilities. And if a parent was not comfortable with the repayment, repaying capability of that individual, and that's when they be made. And, and I, I guess it's important that, that we remember as as the lender, um, you know, the, the comment's been made here in the chat room too, but you're the parent, and and so you want to forgive, you want to believe the best, you want to think, oh, well, they went through a rough time, um, and again, if we can keep this as a as a business uh, transaction and keep the emotions out of it, um, just just because the the money is involved, and the other thing is, you know, that we we have to remember there's there's is a reason that that um, that that child doesn't have the down payment, you know, they didn't save it, um, and. Uh, and there's a reason that that they can't borrow it somewhere else um, from a lending institution at a good rate. You know, there's there's always there's always a reason for those things too. So that's right, it's, and uh, it's a, it's a parent's <coughs> in, instinct to want to help them, their offspring through life, and uh, right. that's admitted. So if that's the case, the parent should uh, uh, should understand that that loan might not ever be repaid. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, so I guess we, we've discussed what, you know, when the borrower should be hesitant, and I guess that's to look at, at the past, um, you know, what the what the child has done in the past and why the credit rating is is not good. Um, you had mentioned um, to us about uh, a co-signer um, back uh, a, a few minutes ago. Um, when should the new home purchaser ask for a co-signer? Well, if the um, if the if the credit record is 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 substandard, then uh, the opportunity for for the borrower to find someone to sign along with them. Um, is is evident, and um, quite often we find parents or siblings or grandparents that do co-sign to help a person uh, get through their through their home purchase. And uh, sometimes the 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 risk the co-signers needed because of risk, and other times the co-signers need needed to add enough income to meet the federally legislated debt servicing ratios. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the case, um, and we see this quite often where an individual has a job that is a, has a low-paying job, and uh, that particular individual does not uh, uh, have enough income to qualify for the mortgage. So we can add the comfort of a co-signer who has a good credit record and uh, low debt obligations and add that person to the mortgage and uh, that increases the incomes and uh, it brings the debt servicing ratios uh, within line and the um, individual is then able to get able to get a mortgage. Uh, quite often in today's world uh, a person can buy a house and have the monthly mortgage payment less than they're paying in rent at mm-hmm. present time. 
and I had one yesterday where the young lady is paying $900 a month rent, and the amount of her mortgage, the payment would be only $550. So wow. Her, month, her monthly obligation was going to be quite a bit less, but she had a low-paying job, and she didn't qualify for the mortgage, so she got mom to sign along with her, and mm-hmm. she qualified. But she was paying $900 a month rent without any trouble. Uh, right. So if she was paying $900 a month rent, she was going to be able to pay 550 So in that case, the position of the co-signer was quite safe, and, mm-hmm. and mom, was able, mom was able to help the daughter. And that, that's a really that's a good situation. That's a feel-good situation. It's a win-win situation. Daughter wins, mother wins, and they live happily ever after. Yeah, for sure. Um, that uh, um, you know, she's and and the daughter then is building equity as well in in her home. So it it is a, a very good step for her. That's right. And, and uh, to further uh, add strength to that, the daughter had training to um, get into a, a, a job family that, that would pay more money than she was presently earning, but uh, that opportunity hadn't presented itself yet. And within mm-hmm. the next two or three years, she would be able to upgrade her uh, her workplace environment and uh, increase her incomes. And um, so it really, that, that was one that made me feel, as a lender, made me feel good. Yes, and and I, I guess when, when we're considering any of these things, every situation is going to be different than the situation before. Oh, and, absolutely. Yeah. Um, on that note, we're going to go to break again, uh, Harvey, and we'll we'll come back for more discussion on this topic. Thank you. Is there a contribution that you dream of making? In society, planned giving seems to be presented as something you do once you're incredibly wealthy or planning your estate. Step Right with Lynn focuses on good money management and planning your contribution at every step based on the issues important to you. Learn how to expand the goodness around you and take responsibility for the issues important to you. Tune in for Step Right with Lynn every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Central Time, 7 a.m. Mountain Time, and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on a AtoZen.fm. This is Step Right with Lynn. Lynn Wedham is a certified financial planner. To participate in the program today, please call toll-free in the U.S. 815-880-8255. That's 815-880-TALK. Or in Canada, 613-800-8736. Or you can Skype us at atizen.fm. You can also make the choices to ask or comment by email by sending to lynn at stepright.ca. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the show. Uh, This is Step Right with Lynn. Our uh, guest today is Harvey Wood. We've just been talking about um, uh, an ideal situation where a cosigner um, allowed uh, a new home buyer to take advantage of a great opportunity for her, um, with you know, with with safety to the um, uh, to the cosigner as well. Um, so that was a situation where co-signing uh, of the mortgage worked really well. Um, Harvey, are there situations when co-signing doesn't work out so well? Uh, yes, there are, and. and uh, it's, it's unfortunate that that, that that does happen, 
and uh, quite often um, it involves uh, the case of a, of a job loss or um, a marital breakup, and uh, then the uh, person that co-signs has the responsibility to make the payments if the if the initial borrower is unable to do that, and um, sometimes uh, that really goes the next step after assuming the payments because it's uh, it's a stretch to ask a co-signer to make um, their own financial obligations plus the new ones, although it was felt at the time that they entered into the agreement that uh, that they could do that. So mm-hmm. usually what happens there um, is the uh, the real estate ends up uh, going on the market and, and being sold, and uh, that's that's the, that's the sad part of it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which which could end up, um, you know, doing that at a time that wasn't a great time to sell, as far as the markets go, or um, selling yes, at a loss is. potentially in order to do it quickly, or. Yes, it is. Um, just uh, just uh, an aside here, just uh, reading my BlackBerry as, as we were on our break, Lynn, and um, this is really, this this situation makes me feel really, really well. I had an application yesterday from, from a young lady, uh, and the, the result was a marriage breakup. Uh, the matrimonial home had been sold. She did receive some of the uh, some of the equity for her down payment, so that was the source of her down payment. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a sing now. She's a single mom, sharing custody of the children, and she didn't quite have enough money to um, enough income to qualify for the mortgage that she that she needed to buy to buy the house. And you have to have to remember that she wanted to stay in the same area, so mm-hmm. her children could continue to go to the same school. Um, and uh, she was able to. Um, accomplished this through the help of her father and uh, the approval just came back within the last five minutes so that's that's a that's for me that's a feel-good one because mm-hmm. we're able to help this individual take take the next important step in her life she's able to keep her kids in the same school our family is um, able to stay together and her father was able to help her out yeah and that that consistency can be really important in in times of uh, of dramatic change for a family Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, one term we've been using today um, that I'm not sure everyone would know what it is, um, is the debt service ratio. Can you give us a, a brief explanation of that? Yes. Uh, debt servicing uh, is um, uh, total debts are used in relation to total incomes, gross incomes before before tax. And uh, the federal government has legislated that uh, an individual borrowing for a mortgage cannot go beyond 40%, uh, or in some cases 42%, of gross income when uh, making a house purchase. And that's a safety net for Canadians. And um, it's helped keep the Canadian economy buoyant. Uh, We didn't get into the situation that our neighbors to the south did a few years ago, four or five years ago. And... uh, so we have to keep the borrowings for a mortgage uh, within a certain ratio of, of incomes to uh, um, af- to continue to provide affordability for real estate. Right. So, so that <clears throat> that has to do with um, only a certain amount of the person's income can go towards making their payments. That's right. And because 
We have to understand that automobiles have to be purchased, food and clothing have to be purchased, utilities have to be paid for. So there has to be enough money to look after everything. Right, and and you're you're right that uh, uh, that system has worked well here in Canada. Yes, we we have we have a we have a strong financial community in Canada, and the Canadians should feel very very fortunate um, that the federal government has legislation in place to maintain that uh, that comfort level. Right, right. Um, so, Harvey, when people have decided that they're going to lend money as a down payment, what type of a process can we use to help um, to help us um, lessen the likelihood that we're going to get into problems with this? Well, the first is clear understanding, and the understanding has to be prior prior to um, the money changing hands and uh, have documentation um, that uh, both sides agree to, uh, terms and conditions that both sides agree to. And uh, uh, I think the other step is is, um, perhaps sharing that information with with, uh, close family members too uh, so everyone understands um, the the whole picture because... uh, uh, Person A might think that uh, her sister borrowed a huge amount of money from parents, where in fact the amount of money was was not huge. It was a, mm-hmm. it was a lesser amount, and that helps to keep peace in the family as well. Right. So a bit of transparency um, across the family. Yes. Yes. That's 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 just a suggestion that that I have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I suppose every everyone's family is is different in in that way. I know that, um, uh, you know, I've 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 heard parents say, "Well, my children would never fight over money." <laughs> what would you have to say about that? Oh, well, I think that all you know, jealousies exist, and uh, um, some some fa- families um, the. Um, uh, the financial situation is um, is quite quite at ease, and you used a very important uh, word there, transparency. And uh, but uh, uh, jealousies uh, jealousies exist, uh, uh, and they're going to continue to exist because it's uh, it's human nature, and there's competition amongst siblings, and uh, competition amongst families, and. Um, um, no one really wants to see someone else get a leg up on mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the other person. Yeah, and of course you, you know, in many ti- times you're you're adding, um, you know, daughters-in-laws and son-in-laws and um, you know, lot of lot of people to the mix too. Absolutely, and that that's where the jealousy seem to exist is from the from the uh, from the from the spouses because spouse A thinks spouse B is is uh, getting an advantage over him or him or her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, when we're talking about that that um, that family situation, um, is is it wise for for parents to to maybe not expect to get the money back, or um, you know, I think. 
if, if we didn't expect to get the money back or we knew there was a, a chance that we might not get it back, um, we'd be less likely to lose or, or to loan money that, um, you know, that was vital to our own retirement or our own um, livelihood as well. Uh, yes, that's uh, that's that's abs- absolute um, because um, uh, and, I, and I've heard I've heard people say um, they've loaned money to a sibling or loaned money to a child and um, the promise there was to be repaid, but the expectation wasn't uh, didn't exist that that, that it would happen and uh, probably. Uh, the situations that I've seen, unless there was a uh, clear, clad agreement going in, a lot of the um, arrangements between family members do not get repaid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and what about setting up realistic expectations of repayment as far as time frames? Well, um, I've seen I've seen any number of them, and and I do I do encourage my clients to have to have an agreement in place, and I, I've seen quite a number of them. And uh, the first couple of years of of home ownership um, bring unforeseen expenses, and uh, some some of the uh, some parents will will say it's interest only for one year, two years, three years, or five years, and then we can start on principal repayment. Or if if it's a non-interest-bearing loan, we'll say, well, you can start paying back in three years or four years or five years, and the amount uh, agreed upon has to be affordable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, that's a very good point, that that there are new expenses with home ownership that that maybe haven't, um, you know, the best we can plan sometimes Things do come up that we um, that we can't foresee for sure. In our in our experience with first-time homebuyers, things seem to happen about year three, and uh, that's when uh, they they want to make some improvements to the house, like they've overcome the the initial burden of um, of home ownership, like planting planting the flowers and and painting whatever, and then about year three they want to do a uh, room in the basement, or redo the kitchen, or redo the bathroom, and that's when when the other expenses seem to enter into the equation. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very it's very interesting. So, um, if we, you know, if if we have an individual in our our family who has no credit history or has that poor credit history, what are some uh, of the the hard questions that that we can ask ourselves um, to help us um, make a decision um, on this um, well, that's, question. Uh, that's that, that's that's a good statement, and there there are two sides to that uh, uh, statement too. Then sometimes uh, an individual individual does not have a, a credit rating because he or she has never used credit. Hmm. And uh, and that's good, but then again, it's not good because if a person doesn't have a credit rating, we can't get them a mortgage. So they either have to establish credit through 
usually we, we suggest credit cards or get a cosigner, which is what we've mm-hmm. just been talking about. And uh, on the other side, um, if the credit is not good uh, because of, of non-payment of accounts, then that's when the, the parent or the sibling or the grandparent should be worried because uh, that behavior has been established. And it may have been established because of a reason, perhaps job loss, um, or um, just plain poor money management, or overextension. Sometimes mm-hmm. people borrow more than they can repay. Right, right. Well, I think that's a good time for us to go to a break, and we will, uh, when we come back, we'll talk more about those written agreements that, that help to make this uh, a business transaction. a contribution that you dream of making in society planned giving seems to be presented as something you do once you're incredibly wealthy or planning your estate step right with len focuses on good money management and planning your contribution at every step based on the issues important to you learn how to expand the goodness around you and take responsibility for the issues important to you tune in for step right with len every wednesday at 9 a.m eastern time 8 a.m. Central Time, 7 a.m. Mountain Time, and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on A to Zen.fm. This is Step Right with Lynn. Lynn Wedham is a certified financial planner. To participate in the program today, please call toll free in the U.S. 815 880 8255. That's 815 880 TALK. Or in Canada, 613-800-8736. Or you can Skype us at atizen.fm. You can also make the choices to ask or comment by email by sending to lynn at stepright.ca. Now, back to the program. Hello again, this is Lynn Wedham on Step Right with Lynn with Harvey Wood from Mortgage Intelligence. Uh, we have just been discussing lending money to family members. Um, it's been uh, suggested that um, we always have things in writing so that everyone is clear um, as to the expectations. Um, so if we're, um, if we're putting this uh, in writing, um, you've suggested that if the, if the um, borrower is not expected to pay it back, that um, that that would be in writing, um, Harvey. If if we if it's a loan and we are expecting it to be paid back, um, what are the things that that should be in this agreement? What should the agreement state? Well, uh, that's that's a good uh, that's a good question, then. and I think uh, 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 disclosure is, is something that should happen at, at this point. And I mean by disclosure. Um, if the um, person is, that uh, is going to be the borrower should disclose to the lender, who is the parent, um, uh, what the incomes the incomes are, and what the current debt obligations are, and uh, that can provide comfort to the to the uh, person that's going to make the loan, whether it be a, a parent, grandparent, or sibling. And at that point, um, it, so it's an opportunity for uh, decision making whether the lender should go ahead with the loan or whether they should draw back because obligations might be such that uh, that the individual can't 
make them and are defeated at the outset. And, and, and that uh, makes perfect sense because those are the things that a bank or another lender, an institutional lender, uh, would be asking to see before they would consider lending money. Absolutely. So, so just because it's a family member doesn't mean that you should that you should drop the business aspects of this, um, and and certainly the um, the borrower um, should also not feel that that's an invasion of privacy because uh, any lender would want to know those things. Oh, absolutely. And uh, I think that's very important. And then it gives both parties the opportunity to to examine whether uh, whether the next step should be taken or not. And uh, maybe uh, maybe now is not the time. Right. But if now is the time, we'll get back to uh, our discussion here about uh, uh, what uh, what sh- what should happen. And uh, sometimes uh, small loans have been made in the past by the parent to the child. And if they've been repaid as agreed, then the comfort level is increased. And, For sure. Uh, and that, that's you know that that's a uh, that's a good omen too to have to have that comfort level. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, uh, the um, the credit ratings. Um, if I'm doing a mortgage for uh, individuals, the the credit bureau ratings that that I obtain are available to the individuals and uh uh if if uh, if my borrower wanted to take the credit rating to their parents they're fine to do so and then that discloses mm-hmm. what the debt obligations and the repayment obligations are and the credit score and the repayment history and that can either increase or decrease the comfort level and again may help both parties with the decision making process right so um I think one of the messages here is that um that the the both sides can speak with a with the mortgage broker or or someone who's doing this every day uh before they get too far down the road in yes. in this uh in this discussion. And in the case of my um with my with my clients um if um if it's uh desired by both parties I can I can drop a loan agreement, a simple loan agreement uh between the two parties oh. which would which would clearly date the, the time time the loan was made, the amount, uh, the terms and conditions and uh, repayment obligations and then they don't have to uh don't have to do that themselves. Oh, that's excellent. Um and would would that document also uh, cover things like uh, a missed payment. Uh, sure, it, it could have terms in there to uh, to deal with um, uh, with that, and um, sometimes um, situations dictate that uh, a payment uh, a missed payment can be justified. As mm-hmm. a matter of fact, some some mortgage lenders provide that opportunity. Uh, if due to employment circumstances or health circumstances, uh, uh, a payment can be attached to the end of the mortgage. Mm-hmm. Um, and and should should we have any discussion about um, you know other disagreeable um, eventualities um, or difficult times such as as the death of either of the the borrower or the, or the lender? Um, 
Yes, of course, we hope that insurance is in place to uh, to handle the obligations. And uh, right. uh, we do, in the world that I live in, we, we are obliged to offer uh, mortgage life and disability insurance to each of our borrowers. And that's, that's legislated. Okay. We, you know, we're quickly running out of, t- of time. Harvey, uh, would you tell people how they can reach you if they have further questions for you? Oh, absolutely. The time flies, doesn't it? It does. Um, my my email address is harvey.wood, W-O-O-D, at the letter M, M like Mary, the letter I, and the word group, G-R-O-U-P. .ca. That's harvey.wood at mygroup.ca. My email address and uh, my phone number is 905-517-9130. And my website is www.mortgageintelligence.ca forward slash Harvey Wood. That's great. Thanks for being with us today, Harvey. Thanks, Lynn. It's been my pleasure. Wonderful. At this time, I'd like to remind you to tune in next week uh, when our guest will be Russell Scott, and the topic will be Find Your Deeper Calling. Uh, Remember, we welcome your comments at Step Right with Lynn, the radio show dedicated to empowering socially conscious individuals to manage their financial resources for the benefit of themselves, their families, and the greater community. Send me an email at lynn at stepright.ca. That's L-Y-N-N at stepright, S-T-E-P-R-I-G-H-T. We would love to send you a copy of the book. And uh, this is Lynn Wedham. The show is Step Right with Lynn. Until next time, take the right steps to support yourself, your family, and your community. Bye for now. Thank you for choosing to listen to Step Right with Lynn. Lynn Wedham will return next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Mountain, and 6 a.m. Pacific on AtoZen.fm. We hope you'll join us. Remember to celebrate your wealth by doing something for yourself, your family, and your community. Until next time.